You're listening to the Christ Church Toronto podcast, a recording of the Sunday sermons from Christ Church Toronto. Christ Church Toronto is a new church in Toronto's East End that seeks to practice the ancient Christian faith today. We would love for you to join us in the future, but until then, please turn your attention to the scripture reading. Okay, Matthew chapter 13. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he, he will have in abundance, but from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, that says, you will indeed hear, but never understand, and you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, and did not see, and to hear what you hear, and did not hear. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. And yet he has no root in himself but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case, a hundredfold, in another 60, and in another 30. This is a word of the Lord for a church, and it is given for a good. Thanks, Jasmine. Well, let's pray and reflect on this teaching from Jesus. Let's pray. Our Lord, we pray now that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would indeed be pleasing to you, and that through this, the teaching of your Son, Jesus Christ, you'd help us to see Jesus and his kingdom so crystal clear and be captivated by who he is and what he has come to do, that we'd find ourselves bearing fruit a hundredfold. Make it so. 
We ask in Christ's name. Amen. I want to begin by pointing out that there are right now in this room a battle raging inside of each and every one of you. Actually, there are many battles going on, but I want to direct your attention at least to one. At this very moment, right now, there is a battle that is going on inside of you. There's something taking place that if you do not take it incorrectly, you will die. And that battle is for you to take in air, to take in oxygen. Right now, that organ in the middle of your face, or at least it should be in the middle of the face, depending on how much rugby and hockey you've played, uh, the nose is in the midst of a remarkable battle as you breathe. Uh, The hairs in your nose, which are so unsightly, and the older you get, the more you despise, are working right now as you breathe air in to catch any dust particles or anything else that ought not end up in your lungs and stop them as sort of a first line of defense. And as the air goes in through your nose, uh, fortunately this morning our, our room is in pretty good shape, but if it's cold outside, the air is, your nose is actually set up in such a way that as the air comes into your nose, the, the warmth of your nose is actually changing the temperature of the air so that it can more safely get down into your lungs. And if that wasn't incredible enough, your nose is actually producing quite a bit of mucus. A liter, I'm told, but it feels a bit more at least when you've had a cold. Um, and inside this mucus, as disgusting as it is, is a whole another series of battles. There's a chemical called lysosome. I'm, I'm not a doctor. This is kind of like Wikipedia level stuff, but there's a chemical, I'm told, in your mucus that is actually fighting to make sure bacteria don't get inside your body, into your lungs, get into your bloodstream, and the battle rages on and on. And as you breathe in this air through your nose, as all these battles are taking place, eventually the blood reaches these air sacs, these alveoli. There's some 750 million of these things, I'm told. I didn't count them, but I trust. And the, these air sacs are refreshing your, your, all the blood of your body. is sort of moving in toward your lungs, and the carbon dioxide is being exchanged for oxygen. And all this is taking place unbeknownst to you, and you're expelling the carbon through your nose, and you're breathing more air in, and you've completely taken it for granted, and it's happening nonstop. And the only way you would know about it is if somewhere along that line of defense, something has gone wrong. Now, if you're an ENT doctor, I'm sorry that I butchered much of your career. I think if you, you were up here, you could probably even say in more detail. There is a lot more going on that you're unaware of, that if you take in something incorrectly, it will be destructive for you. And Jesus in this parable, I, I'm trying to, to help you see this with great clarity. In this parable, I'm trying to help you understand. Jesus is saying there's another battle that is going on in your midst. There's another battle going on right now as you hear God's word read, as you hear God's word preached. And unbeknownst to you, that battle is raging. In the same way there's no noise and, and news updates about how the battle is going in your, in your nasal cavities, so also this battle is raging and you don't hear it and you take it for granted and you don't realize it is going on. This battle is going on right now about how you process what you've just heard and how you will process what you are about to hear. Jesus gives us this parable to tell us that there is absolutely a battle raging, and the way in which you take in his word, the way in which you interpret and and, and digest and bring his word inside of you could be the difference between life unending and the difference between eternal death. This is, this is what he's saying. I'm not trying to be, you know, use hyperbole. This is what this story is trying to get across to you. There is a battle raging, and the transformation of your life is at stake right now. And you don't realize it. 
But that's fine, because you don't realize the same about air coming in your nose. It makes sense. So here's what I want to look at this morning. Jesus is, is telling this parable to draw us in. And he wants us to understand how his kingdom works. And what he is going to describe for us is this battle. And what I want to look at this morning is the nature of the battle. Then I want to look at where the battle is fought. And just briefly conclude our time with God, why God chooses to fight the battle for his kingdom this way. So first, let's begin by looking at the nature of this battle. What is the, the essence of this battle? What is, what is going on as God's word is being read, as the seed is being sent? Well, chapter 13, as I stated, it begins Jesus' third round of teachings in the Gospel of Matthew. And what we read in chapter 13 is that Jesus wants us to understand the kingdom, but the kingdom is, is, is too hard to put into words. It's like a good painting. You know, you have to gaze at it and watch the way the, the, the artist is playing with light. He gives us these stories to kind of mystify us and draw us into the nature of the kingdom. And he tells us that the way the kingdom is going to roll in, the, the nature of the battle that will take place for this kingdom to invade our world is going to be much more like organic sort of a, a movement, organic growth, than sort of maybe structural or mechanical change. What am I trying to say? Jesus says the way this kingdom will advance will be similar to the way a seed works in the ground, the way in which a soil interacts with the seed, the way in which someone sows and throws the seed indiscriminately throughout a field. This is how the kingdom will move forward. Now, in our passage, we have the unique, he's not gonna, this is not going to be the way for all the other parables, but Jesus gives the parable, then he gives a description about why he uses parables, and then he actually makes sure that the, the disciples understand what his parable is saying. And if you let your eyes skip down to verses 18 and 19, you'll see that he says, this parable of a sower just throwing seed, a farmer just kind of casting seed indiscriminately throughout a field, the seed is actually the word of God, the word of the kingdom that Jesus is saying is the sort of nature of this battle that will come out. Some of the soil, some of the, the seed will be thrown onto a path and the evil one, that is Satan, God's great nemesis and enemy, he will come and snatch up these, the word of God as it is sent out. Others of it will be in rocky soil and it'll be unable to take deep root. Still others will be caught in a conflict with weeds and thorns and life will be choked out of them. But what Jesus is saying is this, is he's saying when, G when, when my kingdom invades, when it comes in, this kingdom where, where the effects of the curse and sin begin to be reversed and the consequences of sin, where sin is finally defeated and, and where, the where, where my kingdom comes in, where there's a grand work to repair all the, the marks and scars of the effects of sin. As my kingdom starts to roll in, it's going to be a lot more like a seed advancing than it will be like a rebel army, like a, like a democratic uprising or a coup. It's, it's much more comparable to what goes on in organic farming than it is to what goes on in the, the way that you're traditionally used to thinking of uh, kingdoms rolling in. Maybe I could describe it this way. You know, some of what we think of when we think of how change will take place, we think along the lines of sort of structural change or maybe mechanical change. But essentially what we mean is that the change that's going to come in when some change comes into your life is, is a reorganizing and rearranging the parts so that they work differently. Maybe you think of a windmill. They take one form of energy and they transform it into another form of energy. But nonetheless, it's, it's using sort of the same energy and sort of transforming the output of these things. This is much different from organic sort of change in interaction, okay? So, to, to make it abundantly clear, maybe I'll say it this way, you know, um, well, I'll say it this way. If, if you want to lose weight, um, the way in which you lose weight 
is you restructure habits in your life. You restructure eating habits, you learn exercise techniques, but, but you don't sort of transform in any new parts inside of you. You don't sort of uh, organically change from one thing to another. Jesus is saying when the kingdom rolls in, it's not going to feel like what it feels like when you lose weight. It's going to feel a lot more like when a seed goes into the soil. You chew your grape, you spit out the seed, it falls into the soil, a grapevine is produced, and before you know it, some of the boldest wine, you know, comes out of this, this grape. This is more of what the kingdom is going to be like. It's going to be like you eat an apple, you throw it on the side of the road, it reaches down to the soil, and from that seed, the seed is so incredibly transformed, there's so much life packed into that seed that it's so incredibly transformed that from one seed births a tree, and from that tree births thousands and thousands of apples. This is what it's going to look like when the kingdom rolls in. It's not going to look like a democratic uprising. It's not going to look like a coup. It's not going to look like rearranging the parts, taking the energy that was previously focused on some monarch and changing that energy to another monarch. Sort of, It's not going to be taking the energy from some tyrant and moving that energy now to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's going to feel a lot more like organic change, where something so incredibly small possesses such incredible power that it, it, it seemingly out of nowhere transforms itself into something unimaginable. This is the nature of the battle that Jesus says we find ourselves in. The word of God comes into our life, and it is like a harmless little seed, a powerless little seed. Jesus doesn't call you. He doesn't say, my kingdom is coming, and so here's what's going to happen. I need you to rearrange your parts. It's going to feel like you taking these old allegiances and putting these allegiances towards me. It is a little bit going to feel that way. But he's saying the transformation actually is going to be so incredible, it's going to feel a whole lot more like some seed coming inside of you and mixing with the parts inside of you and growing up something altogether sort of tremendously complex. This is what it's going to feel like when the kingdom rolls in. I hope I'm making my point. But what this means to us is at the very least, what I'm trying to say is this. The kingdom rolling in, the way this battle will be won, will not be by habits that you create, as good as habits are. The way this kingdom will sort of advance and roll out into your life is not going to be like, it's not going to feel like changing allegiances from one party, political party, to another party. When you know this kingdom is coming into your life, and when you see it come into someone else's life, you know what it's going to feel like? It's going to feel like an apple seed got inside of them, and all of a sudden an apple tree is birthed out of them, you know? It's going to feel, the organic change is so extraordinary that something so complex comes from something so incredibly small, God's word going out. This is the nature of the battle. It's, it's much more of an organic battle, I hope I'm making sense, than it is sort of a mechanical battle or sort of a, a sort of changing, changing of, of parts. It, it's something incredibly transformative. And this is what it'll feel like when the kingdom rolls out. Let's talk about where the battle is fought, though. Now, we actually, we actually hear one word over and over and over again in this passage. And it, you can kind of see it in your bullets, and you're welcome to circle it, kids, if you still have those pens. But I think I took them all away from you because you were clicking them obnoxiously at the catechism class this morning. But the word is here. You see it in verse 9. Let, let him who has ears hear. Let him or her who has ears, let, let them hear. Now, Jesus isn't here thinking of just listening sort of to vibrations that come into your eardrums. No, he's talking about something deeper. He's talking about understanding, okay? And this is why, once you get to verse 13, he sort of moves into this, this, this passage from Isaiah, which seems somewhat confusing. 
When they ask him, why are you teaching in parables, it seems as though Jesus is saying, look, I'm teaching because I want to confuse people. It's not exactly what Jesus is saying, but Jesus is saying he wants them to be able to hear, and he wants to show that though they hear, they do not understand, okay? This is what Jesus is going after, a type of hearing that is sort of penetrates deep into your very being, that, that, that results in something grander than just simply comprehending. It's understanding, but it's also a transformative understanding. So what am I trying to say? Where, where is the battle fought? Well, we could say the battle is fought through deep hearing, hearing that penetrates the hearts. So think of the parable. We, we have the first soil. What is the first soil? It's the, the hardened path. And what can we say about the way in which the, the hardened path hears the word of God? We could say that there's no penetration, that the word almost bounces off the inner being of the individual, that there's no real understanding, and that's why Satan is so easily able to come. The birds are come, and they're able to so easily pull away and, and distract. The word bounces off. It can't stick. This is the person who hears the good news of Jesus Christ, who hears the story that God in Jesus is making all things right. He, he's rolling back the effects and consequences of sin on this world. And hears that story and rolls their eyes and says, here these people go again with their wishful thinking fairy tales. That's one way you could have a hardened heart. Your heart could become like the path. You hear the word and you roll your eyes. Or maybe scarier, you hear the word and you think, well, I've heard this a whole bunch. You know, I kind of have this figured out. Let's move on. I'll do other things. Or maybe your heart can be hardened when you think this. As you hear God's word preached, you think, oh boy, this is, this is good. And if only my mom were here, you know. Every time you hear God's word preached, your heart has become hardened that you don't need any application from it, but boy, your eyes are laser-focused on others who need it. Jesus is saying this is a type of hearing that doesn't penetrate into this heart, into the soil, into the, in, into the deep recesses of a person's life. And this type of hearing, Satan is very easily able to snatch away. I believe it was one of the Greek philosophers who said it's impossible to teach someone something they believe they already know. This is, this is where the battle is fought. It's fought in this deep, heartfelt hearing. And there's a type of person who hears and blatantly ignores, rolls their eyes, distracts, and their heart is hardened, and Satan is able to snatch it away. Now, this is why Jesus quotes Isaiah 6. Uh, it's, it's somewhat confusing. Jesus is quoting the prophet Isaiah from maybe 740 to, I don't know, six, the six, 600s, uh, sort of B.C., before, his, before he comes on the scene. And he's reflecting on the call of the prophet Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah, God asks the prophet Isaiah to come and to be a herald of the good news to his people. But we learn in the time of Isaiah, the very people who say, our God is the God of Israel, we are his people. We read in chapter 5 that they were champions at drinking, you know, uh, that they called evil good and good evil. They had no regards for the things of the Lord, and yet, and yet... They still said, the God of Israel is our God, and all those enemies be damned. You know, he loves us. We're the good guys. One day he's going to wipe out the bad guys. He really will. God calls Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, and he tells him, here's what I want you to do. I want you to be a herald of the good news and to preach. But you're going to preach in such a way that these people who have these hardened hearts will hear and they will not hear. They believe they already know. They believe they already have forgiveness. So as you herald good news that I am announcing the forgiveness of sins and the healings of all that is wrong, they already think they've got everything together. And so because their hearts are hardened, they will never hear. What they really want is themselves 
And as they hear this word, it only buffers and buttresses their views of themselves, and my word will just bounce on off them. And, and God says to the prophet Isaiah, this is your calling. You're going to do that so that when I come to judge these people, I will be right in my judgment. They will see that they had a chance, but it's their hard-hearted hearts who could not listen, who could not hear. Satan comes and takes them away. What am I trying to say? It was a long-winded way of saying this. Listen, Satan can't override your mind. He, he really can't. Do you understand? He can't override your mind. He can't make you do things, ultimately make you do things you don't want to do. Maybe another way of saying this is Satan can't make good people bad. But what he can do is take flawed people and expose them to the very things that pushes them to their flaws and bring them about to a place where they get worse and worse and worse. He can take a bitter person, okay? Maybe you're here right now, you're bitter at the way the church treated you. You're bitter at something that happened in your life, maybe a Christian, the way a Christian treated you. And he'll take that bitterness, Satan will, and as you hear the word preached, and that bitterness flares up, he will, he will like stoking a fire, he will flame up that bitterness so that you can't hear a word of the good news that's being preached because you are so bitter at someone who did you wrong. That's what Satan will do, and that's, that, that's exactly what Jesus is saying that happens to the person with the hardened heart, or maybe the prideful person. As you hear the word preached and you hear that it means emptying yourself, acknowledging that in and of yourself you have no hopes for victory or hopes to stand before our Lord, you hear this and your pride gets cranked up and you just won't listen. And you say, yeah, I've already done that. I'm fine. I've got this figured out. I wish, I wish we'd move on to other things. Satan is at work taking where your heart is already hardened and making sure that that hard frame gets solidified harder and harder, like, like a heavily baked clay. He's making sure that nothing can penetrate that heart. That is where the battle is being fought in this heartfelt level. We then get this shallow, this shallow heart, maybe we could say, and this is more terrifying in some senses because the shallow heart, the seed falls on rocky ground. And what we read actually is that though the seed uh, falls on some soil and though there's enough soil to allow some life to burst forth, we find that there's no depth to the roots. And so then when the heat of the sun comes out, it scorches and withers away this, this plant. As Jesus explains the parable in verse 20, look what he says. He says, the one who hears the good news, uh, the, the rocky soil is the one who hears the good news and even receives it with joy. Maybe we could say this. Jesus is warning us that there will be a type of person who hears God's word and it will feel so good to them. It'll feel like something has activated inside of them. They'll feel so alive. They'll even have emotionally overwhelming experiences. And yet the first time they pray a prayer and the Lord doesn't answer it. And the time when suffering comes and it doesn't seem to go away, or the time when persecution comes when they're rejected on account of God, when these things sort of heat up in their life like sun scorching down, though they had this amazing emotional experience, they will wither away and die. Jesus is saying this, listen, enthusiasm is not a mark of spiritual maturity. It's not a mark of immaturity either, but it's certainly not a mark of spiritual maturity. It's good to be enthusiastic for the faith, but Jesus is warning us that the way the battle will work is that as this hearing penetrates into your heart, for some of you it will not go deep enough. It will stay shallow, and the first sight of suffering, you will walk. That's the second soil. Maybe we could say the third soil we could call a divided heart. In this heart, weeds and thorns and thistles begin to choke. This is the person who hears the word of God, we read. But the anxieties of the world force them to feel insecure. And they turn to things of creation rather than their creator for their confidence, for their assurance, for their surety. 
They look to riches and they're deceived by riches that this is the way that they will move forward. And the, what ends up happening is these thorns and these weeds grow up right alongside of this tree, this plant, this seed. And the thorns and the thistles begin to slowly but surely choke the life out of any growth of the kingdom. Maybe I could illustrate it by saying that we have, you know, multiple loves in our lives. I, I, I absolutely love sports. I love my family and I love my job, okay? Now, if any one of those loves gets disordered, I'm in trouble. If I love my family more than sports, that's good. But if I love my job more than I love my family and love sports, this is not good, you know? If I love sports more than I love my family and my job, I won't have my job very long and I might not even have my family very long, you know? Uh, <laughs> What Jesus is saying is this, that these loves start to get disordered. He's, he's not slamming, you know, riches and pr pursuing some sort of uh, economic stability. But he is saying that there's a way in which this becomes disordered, that this becomes all of your confidence, all of your hope. It becomes so disordered that these good things in life begin to choke out the kingdom growth in your life, which might call you to sacrifice it all which might call you to give it all away. They're like weeds. They begin to choke out the life and grow. And these are the most miserable of people to be around. I think you know this if you've been in the church for some time. Christians whose whole Christian life is being suffocated by thorns and thistles. They're being drawn in and sucked into the need for more assurance from things of this world. They're miserable because they're always gasping for air. I, have, I must continue to move on. The fourth soil is the good soil, the fertile soil, the receptive soil. What marks this soil? Well, we could say what marks this soil is that it has a certain measure of uh, emptiness to it. The weeds have been uprooted. There's a certain emptiness to it. There's no rocks in this soil. It is soft and vulnerable and receptive to receive the mystery of the kingdom. And Jesus says even to bear fruit like an apple seed which falls in the ground and produces thousands and thousands of apples, so also when the seed of God's word comes inside this soil, this person is transformed sort of with this organic metaphor into a tree that bears fruit a hundredfold, sixtyfold, and thirtyfold. This is just incredible. So where does the battle take place? Jesus says it takes place in our hearing, in our heartfelt hearing, and how we receive and how we understand. This is where the battle takes place, that it comes down to how deep will the hearing go inside of you and how much will it work inside of you and transform you. Maybe I'll conclude this way, though, by asking this question. Why does Jesus fight the battle this way? So if this is where the battle is fought, it's fought in heartfelt reception, let me end by asking, why does Jesus want to fight the battle this way? You know, Jesus could snap his fingers and command an army of angels to come and to whip everyone on this earth, everyone in Toronto, into, into straight-line submission to him. He could easily do that, but he doesn't do that. He could also snap his fingers and wipe out all of his creation and create new people who will joyfully and heartfully obey him. Why doesn't he do this? Why doesn't he fight this way? Why doesn't he want subdued allegiance? And I'll tell you why. It's because he wants you and he wants all of you. It's because he loves you. He wants relationship with you. You see, the story of the gospel is this, that Jesus is indeed the word of God. He is the true seed, and his heavenly father is the sower. And his father cast him down from heaven. And Jesus comes to this world like a seed, gentle, vulnerable, unimpressive, thrown into the earth, laden with weakness, the king of kings. And he comes not to bury his enemies, but to be buried. He comes, and it's him. 
It's him who takes on the thorns like a crown. The thorns of the soil that choke out any life of the kingdom. He puts them on his head like a crown. And it's him who is died and buried, cut out into a rock. It is him. And he does this, all of this, because he's the true seed. You see, in his death, as he falls to the ground, and even as he takes on the thorns and thistles, and as he's buried into the very rocks of this earth, what happens? We find that Jesus, in giving his life, becomes a fruitful tree. 60-fold, 30-fold, even 100-fold. It is him who clears out the, the thorns and the thistles and makes room, breaking rock for new life to be poured in. It's him who drains the hardness right out of you. And he says to you today, come to me, receive me. And what it's going to feel like is it's going to feel like being emptied. It's going to feel like being drained. It's going to feel like weeds and thorns and thistles being pulled out. It's going to feel like rocks being removed. And you're going to feel like you're empty and lacking. And he says, come to me, and I will empty these things of you, and I will transform you by putting the word of, my, of life inside of you. And you will see unbelievable transformation. What you see is that the reason Jesus wants to fight this way is because he loves you. He loves you. And he wants your heart. And he doesn't give up on you. And he's willing to give of his very life so that you might be able to come to him and that you might taste the life of this kingdom and join, in, join with him in this mission of making all things new through his resurrection. Let me pray. Our Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for the work of your Son on our behalf. We give you thanks that you've given to us your word. And though it's terrifying that even right now in this room, there may be people hardening their hearts and turning from you, we give you thanks that we have great confidence that we can always come to you and that you'll take the thorns and thistles upon yourself and you'll take the rocks upon yourself and you will deal with these things such that new life can be birthed inside of us in the midst of our dead bodies. Father, make our hearts more receptive. And we pray, Father, in your kindness that you would make us the type of people who bear fruit 100-fold, 60-fold, 30-fold. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Christ Church Toronto podcast. For more information about our church, you can visit our website at ChristChurchToronto.ca or email us at info at ChristChurchToronto.ca.